As I was sitting up here this morning looking over your faces and it just came to me that it's going to be hard to leave. Uh, when we came here we knew very few people and as we leave you have found a way into our hearts and when I think of you there will be content to the thoughts. And I also want to assure you that as we think of you, we want to pray for you as a congregation and as, as individuals. And uh, I can truly say that it has been a good week for us to be here. And I want to just thank you and bless you I think I said before, I don't think I've ever been to a congregation where we got something in our car every night. And uh, I don't know what we were supposed to do with all that. Uh, if I was 17 years of age, it wouldn't have been a problem. But at my age, uh, but we did enjoy the goodies and particularly just the care that that uh, uh, indicates from you as a congregation, and so thank you so very, very much. If you were paying attention this morning in the service, we sang the song, For the Beauty of the Earth, and there was a phrase in there about the church lifting up holy hands. And whenever I see that phrase, I think about the fact that as people, our hands tend to get dirty. And I really believe that confession is an integral part of worship. And I appreciated the devotional because until we came, come to a place of being poor in spirit, it's hard for God to be able to do anything of value in our lives. Then we followed with, I don't know, we followed with the song that kept me going as a young person. Uh, like a river glorious. I haven't shared a lot of my journey, but you could probably ask Ellie, but after we were engaged, I went through a time of tremendous struggle with fear and anxiety. And this question was what came to me, what if I made the wrong choice? And uh, this song, was a lifesaver to me. I want to read the words. Like a river glorious is God's perfect peace. Now, if you're a person that can come to peace easily, God bless you. Some of us who have going through mental and emotional issues find it harder to come to a place of rest. But I love this song. Over all victorious in its bright increase. Perfect yet it floweth fuller every day, perfect yet it groweth deeper all the way. And here's the key, stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed, finding as he promised perfect peace and rest. You know what, brothers and sisters, I know what that's about. Hidden in the hollow of his blessed hand, never a foe can follow, ne'er a traitor stand. 
Here's the phrase that would get me. Not a surge of worry, not a shade of care, not a blast of hurry. Touch the spirit there. Stayed upon Jehovah. Hearts are fully blessed, finding, as he promised, perfect peace and rest. Every joy, this gets to our message today, every joy or trial falleth from above. God know, does God know your circumstance? Does God know your situation today? Does it come as a surprise to him? No. Traced upon our dial by the Son of Love, we may trust him fully, all for us to do. Those who trust him wholly find him wholly true. God has given me the opportunity to minister to people who have struggled with depression, struggled with emotional and mental uh, pain, and finding ways through where God is faithful in their lives. I really appreciated Sunday School. I wanted to affirm everything that was shared with us. And let me say that I think in the context of where we're at today, in our culture and in our government, we have a lot to think about and a good way of responding to what we're facing today. Would you take your Bibles and go with me to John chapter 21? John chapter 21. And our text comes from a conversation between Jesus and Peter. And I got to love Peter. Uh, there's something about this guy that really encourages and blesses me. But we want to look at the words of Jesus to Peter this morning, and we not only want to look at that, but we want to, we want to apply them to our life and to our situation. And it's in verse 22, where Jesus saith unto him, If I will, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? You follow me. And the call to follow Jesus rings out through the ages of time. And it still rings out today to you and I sitting here at Myerstown Mennonite Church. The call to follow Jesus rings out. And like I said earlier, our God is a God of invitation. And I just love how practical the scriptures really are. And so in this passage, we want to notice four circumstances in which maybe the only response, or at least the best response, is to be, is to be willing to follow Jesus. Let me read. After these things, Jesus showed himself. Now, these things, after his death and resurrection, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. They were together, Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee. 
the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples. You gotta just picture this scene here. Think about what's happened. And Peter said, fellows, I'm gonna go fishing. Peter knew a lot about fishing. And they said, we will go with you. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. I just love verse 4. As one who's known the darkness of night, the longness of night, as one who knows what it's like to not be able to sleep at night, wondering when morning will ever come. Notice what it says, but when the morning was come, what? When the morning was come, Jesus stood on their shore. But the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said unto them, Children, do you have any meat? They answered him, No. He said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore. Now they were not able to draw it to shore because of the amount of fishes. And therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved looked at Peter and he said, Peter, and I can just picture this. It's like, who is that guy anyway? That has to be Jesus. And it says, Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord. He girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and he did cast himself into the sea. This was not the first time that Peter cast himself into the sea to go to Jesus. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. Then Jesus said, Bring ye of the fish which ye have caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of great fishes, an hundred and fifty and three, and for all of this there was yet was not the net broken. Peter, Jesus saith unto him, Come and dine, and none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself unto his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? 
He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith to him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that all things that thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Very, very, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest where thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, and thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee where thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. When he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? You follow me. The message title is, What is that to thee? You follow me. Four circumstances. What do you do, first of all, when your dreams have been dashed? You see, the disciples had been called. The disciples had followed. The disciples had dreamed and anticipated and hoped. Their Messiah had come and he had taught. He introduced them to this wonderful kingdom and the anticipation of ruling with him someday. They had left their nets. They had left their fishing. They had left family, occupations to follow this leader, this king. But now, there had been a betrayal. There had been a trial. There had been a cross. And there had been a death. And the question, now what? What do I do? Where do I go? And Peter said, fellows, I go fishing. They said, we'll go with you. And I asked the question today, what else was there to do? What do you do when your dreams have been dashed? I was speaking to one of my students. I had found out a little before that she and her husband were not able to have children. We were at a carrion meal and we were talking. And as she was talking with me, she was telling me all the benefits and blessings of not having children. But in the middle of telling me that, she broke into tears. 
she broke into tears. What do you do when your dreams have been dashed? Can you hear Jesus' words saying, what is that to thee? You follow me. A second circumstance. What do you do when the fish don't bite? It says they fished all night and they caught nothing. What do you do when the fish don't bite? And you know what I believe? I believe it's a real quiet bunch of fishermen that night. I think each of them had their thoughts of what could have been, what should have been. What do you do when the old tricks don't work anymore? What do you do when the night is quiet? When the night is long? When the night is dark? And the fish refuse to bite? Can you hear the words of Jesus saying to us, what is that to thee, you follow thou me? But there's a interesting, just an interesting part of this passage. But when the morning was come, now the verse in, I think, Psalms says this, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And I just love this. But when the morning was come, Jesus stood on their shore. Can you catch the significance of that statement? And brothers and sisters this morning, I can assure you, Jesus will also stand on your shore. When your dreams have been dashed, when the fish don't bite, when the night is long and dark, there will be a morning. I have a, you know, I have an idea of what will happen one day on the shores of heaven. Some of you sitting here have gone through difficult experiences, maybe tragic experiences, experiences which you don't understand or you don't know why it's been a part of your journey of faith. You know what I see one day in heaven? I see people running to Jesus on heaven's shore and all of the pain and heartache of this life will be just wrapped up in his embrace and in his being there for you. There's a little saying I sometimes think about in my own journey. When things are tough, this too will pass. Or, and it came to pass. But sometimes in the middle of it, it really seems like it's the end of the road for a person. Then you have this question. Children, do you have any meat? 
How does one answer that question? <laughs> How does one answer that question? Fishing was not going well. Dreams had come and gone. And Jesus had come and gone. Do you just pretend that you're doing okay? You know, by the way, I would ask a question this morning. Is your church, is your church a safe place? You know, with our Anabaptist framework of thinking, most of us grow up with a clear sense of expectations of discipleship and behavior. We know how we should be living. We know what the Christian life should be. But I ask this question, what do you do when that's not your experience? How quick are you to share how you really are doing? I talked to a man in a church. He said, Dave, I sit beside people every Sunday. But he said, you know what? I'm a very lonely man. And I contend that a lot of times we're, we're really afraid to admit what really is happening in our hearts because we know what's expected of us and we, we're not sure what people would say how people would respond if they really knew what I'm struggling with, what I'm facing in my life. Let me encourage us to be a safe church, a place where people can share. So Jesus said, do you have any meat? And they answered probably the most honest way that a lot of us should answer, we have nothing. We absolutely have nothing. How true. Because Jesus himself said, without me, ye can do nothing. And listen, outside of Christ, we don't do well. And I know that sitting here this morning, there are probably people that are struggling with things that other people know nothing about. But I'm asking this question, how quick would you be to share what's really happening in your life with someone. We ask, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. I sometimes say, do you want the, do you want the short answer or do you really want to know how I'm doing? Because truthfully, sometimes we're not doing very good and the disciples at this point in their journey of faith were not doing very good. Their dreams had been dashed. They couldn't even catch fish. You know what, people? Sometimes being honest with ourselves and honest with God is the best thing that we can do. But I will admit to you that it is not an easy thing to admit or an easy thing to do to let someone else know that I'm really not doing very good. But I think it's so important if we're going to make progress in our Christian life. So Jesus says, cast your net on the other side. And I would say, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> you have got to be, what? Cast your net on the other side and ye shall find. 
Thanks a lot. When the help seems to be no help at all. You know what I think of? I think of Job's three friends. They did very well. They sat with him seven days before they said a word. We would not do that. We would have had all kinds of things to say to Job. And guess what? When they finally let loose, they had lots of things to say to Job, and Job calls them miserable comforters. You know what, people? Let me just say to you, be careful. Be very careful of your judgments, of your conclusions. I think of the dear old prophet in our church who often struggled with anger. The young people really didn't like him. He would say things straight out. And after a business meeting where he wasn't there, he came back and in the business meeting it was read about a church decision to allow musical instruments on a Sunday evening with consultation of the ministry. And when he heard that read, guess what? He was not happy. And he got up. And he let everyone know that he wasn't happy. And the church just froze. And I remember sitting there as a young minister and no one spoke. Everyone was just, what do you say? And I finally got to my feet and I just said this. I said, you know what? Our brother has shared his heart with us as a congregation. We do well to hear what he had to say. Do you know something? That was all it took. See, the issue had nothing to do with the issue. But what it had to do with, it had to do with relationships and it had to do with wanting to be heard. Do you realize that in the hearts of people and all of us, much of what happens comes from a deeper need and a deeper heart? Later, one Sunday night, he was sharing his growing up days. And I kid you not, I sat back in the congregation and I wept. And I asked myself this question, would I even be in the church today if I had experienced what this man experienced when he was a young man? Be careful of your conclusions and judgment because beneath the surface action, there's often a deeper story, a deeper issue going on which you may know nothing about. And unless you find out, you will not understand the response of that person. You know what I long for? I've said I've never been able to do church the way I want to do church. I've never, I, I long for congregations that people truly walk beside each other and quit hiding from each other. And I, although I love our expectations of discipleship, it causes many of us to go underground. You know why? What will they think of me if they know what I'm facing in my life? And we fear, we fear rejection. We fear condemnation. Will people understand? And I really believe confession should be a, a regular part of our worship times where people can feel free to confess their sins and find healing.
and find support where people stand beside them. Too many of us, we've been taught at little, I can tie my own shoes. You know how a child is? Here, let daddy, let daddy help you tie. I can do it myself. You know what? We have a mentality in our churches of doing it ourselves, but you know what? We don't do a very good job. The loneliness increases and the battles increase and we're not able. Children, do you have any meat? And for your information, I felt that this week in my own life. The battles are real. The temptations are real. I've faced some this week. When I think about lifting up holy hands, the question comes, are my hands holy? Am I where I should be? Am I really able to lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting? Sometimes simple obedience is the best choice of all. When I think about this, I think of Dave Hosteller, a close friend of mine who's gone on to be with the Lord. We were both pastors. We were up north together. And we would often call each other in our times of discouragement. I called Dave one time when I was really discouraged. He said to me, Dave, are you engrafting the word into your heart and soul? And he said, this is what I want you to do. He gave me a passage of scripture. And he said, every night before you go to bed, I want you to personalize this passage of scripture. You know what? I listened to him. Jesus said, cast your net on the other side and ye shall find. By the way, <laughs> that is, it, it is so important in brotherhood for us to be hearing from our brother and sister. Every criticism you face has an element of truth in it that God wants you to pay attention to. You know, that person may be 95% wrong in his assessment, but how about the 5% that God wants to teach us things about ourselves that are so important? And so what did the disciples do? They could have said, forget you. We've been, <laughs> can you imagine? We've been fishing all, you're telling us to cast. You know what they did? They simply did. And I know what it's like to be at a place in my life where I didn't trust my own judgment. I came to accountability meeting one Saturday morning at our church and the man, the man in charge looked at me, he said, Dave, today's the day. I said, what do you mean? He said, that letter of resignation that you've written, you need to go get it. And I said, well, I don't even know if I can find it. He said, we will wait for you. I'll never forget this. I went home, looked through my desk drawer, and I pulled out the letter of resignation from the ministry that I had written and was wanting to give to the congregation. I went back up to the school where we were meeting and our leader said, okay, guys, let's go out in the carport. He pulled out a lighter. We went out in the carport. 
He said, Dave, you need to burn this. I'll never forget those moments. As that letter of resignation went up in smoke. You know what? There are times in your life where you maybe are not able to trust your own judgment of what to do and how to do because the, the burden is so heavy, you're not able to find a way through. You know what? Happy is the person who has mature friends around you who can stand up beside you. Just like Aaron and her held Moses' hands up, they can stand beside you and give you direction for your life. God never intended for you to walk through this life alone. He didn't. We need each other. And when this happened, then there's this, it is, this is just so, this is so neat. They, they cast their nets on the other side. Now, just think with me here. And all of a sudden, the net is full of fish. And then there's this, who is that guy? Who is that guy? And John said, Peter, you know what, Peter? That has to be Jesus. And you just have to love Peter's response. You know what? Peter was the one who, when Jesus said he had to go away, Peter said, can't we go with you? And Jesus said, no, you can't go with me at this point. But guess what? Nothing was going to keep Peter from going to his master. I, I just get goosebumps. You know what? Peter was finished with fishing. No matter that the net was full, he was, guess what? Fishing was simply a diversion anyway. And Peter runs to his master. You know, we can't ignore the reality, brethren and sisters, that we are in a battle. And Satan will do all he can to have us overtaken in the darkness and discouraged with fishing. But in those times, let me encourage us to run to Jesus. And again, young people, I've said this before, but let me say it again. Whatever you do, don't throw in the towel. Don't throw in the towel. You can pray, and it's like praying to a brick wall. There's no answer. Christianity doesn't seem to work for you. But let me encourage you. Your God is faithful to his promises. He may not come through for you in the moment that you think he should, but he will come through. I like it. He will be faithful, and there is a way through whatever you're facing because Jesus stands on your shore. Over and over again, he will stand on your shore. So the disciples bring up the fish. But there's a fourth, third thing here. What happens when your commitment is challenged? Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me more than these? 
We would call this a tough relational encounter, and we would say, Jesus, couldn't you do this in private? Do you have to ask these questions in front of all the disciples? What do you do when your commitment has been challenged? When your when your uh, when your motivations have been stereotyped, where people have misunderstood your purpose and desire, what do you do when your commitment has been challenged? You know, brotherhood provides tough relational encounters for all of us. There can be misunderstandings, miscommunications, there's offenses which test one's commitment to Jesus and to each other. And look at this, not once, not twice, but three times Jesus said, Simon, got a question for you. Do you love me more than these? How do you think, how do you think Peter felt? in that context. He had run to Jesus and now Jesus, do you love me more than these? When you feel singled out, how much do I love Jesus? Can I hear his words in that context? Listen, this is, this is hard. Can I hear him say, Dave, what is that to you? You follow me. Let me say something. I contend that in the worst of circumstances, there is a pathway of faithfulness that God provides for the person who really wants to follow Jesus. And the last thing this morning, what do you do when your pathway leads to a cross? Verses 18 and 19. When you were young, and this is where, young people, you have dreams, you have goals, you have ideals for life, and there's not anything wrong with that. But you know what? God has a larger purpose for our lives than what we often know or can see. When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, Thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee where thou wouldest not. And I can imagine Peter saying, Lord, who said I wanted a cross? What about my goals and my dreams and my ideals for life? I would say to us that sometimes following Jesus means that we bear crosses that others know very little about. Sometimes following Jesus leads us down a path that seems unjust or unfair. And sometimes following Jesus requires sacrifices that go beyond the norm and suffering in ways that others do not see or realize. And you know, this is so human right here. Peter, he's hearing these words now, this has been building, okay? Think about it. This has been building. In the first place, Peter's the one that said we're going fishing. They didn't catch anything. Jesus stands on the shore. Peter runs to Jesus. Then Jesus questions his commitment. And now Jesus predicts how Peter would die. And Peter's response is so much like mine. He's like looking at John and the other. He's saying, well, what about this guy? 
You've said all these things, but what about him? Where's some, where's some equity in life? And Jesus says, if I will that he tarry till I come. <laughs> you know what? There are things about the kingdom. There are things about the kingdom that we will never understand on this side of eternity. I can't answer the question of why. You can't answer the question why John lived to live, live a ripe age and Peter was crucified upside. We don't, we don't have the authority over those things because our life is in God's hand. And so this morning, can I trust my lot in life to the one who knows about crosses? You know that? When I'm preaching sometimes for a wedding, by the way, marriage is such a marriage is such a wonderful journey, but also a journey that requires commitment, a journey that requires forbearance with each other. It's, but I often say in, in a wedding sermon that you know, you have an example. Jesus bore his cross up to Calvary's hill and he died for each of us. He gives us an example of what it's like to bear a cross that we don't think we deserve. He didn't deserve it. He gives us an example of how to move forward in following the path that God has given to us. And so this morning, can I hear his voice calling above the shattered dreams, calling above the dark nights, calling above the circumstances where fish don't bite, calling above the questions that people have of your commitment and sometimes the accusations, misunderstandings, calling beyond even the cross that God has laid on you to carry. Can we hear the words of Jesus saying to us this morning, there's something about this just blesses me. What is that to thee? You follow me. You know, Sometimes our children, in their growing up years, I shared this, they say, others, Dad, others are doing it. And you know what I tell them? I say, you know, one day, and this is true of every one of us sitting here, guess what? One day, we stand before our Lord and Master, giving an account for our lives. We will not be able to stand there and say, but so-and-so... Well, John didn't have to do this. We will be answering the question of what did we do with the knowledge that we have of following Jesus. Let's stand together. As a commitment this morning together, I'd like us to sing, I have decided, 
to follow Jesus. And I trust that this can be the commitment of your heart in spite of all the circumstances, <clears throat> situations that you may be facing in your life. We'll sing, I think there's three verses. We'll try to get through it. I have decided.